it has been that there's this great person and we know we're going to lose them and they would be perfect to do this. So you open a new restaurant in order to to keep a talented person. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many A players out there, right? We're just doing what we feel is right for the people we work with. Yeah. And, and, you know, what comes of it comes of it. They're going to make you better and you're going to make them better. Those are the people you want to come to work and see every day. And, and the more of those you have around you, I don't care what business you're doing, the more successful you will be. This is the Proco 360 Podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting Proco 360 because I love Colorado and I love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs. My guests have built very successful businesses with team members and collaborators who also love all that Colorado has to offer. Today's episode is with Frank Bonanno of Bonanno Concepts. You may have seen Frank on any number of cooking shows featuring accomplished chefs, but probably you know him most from the 10 restaurants and bars that make up Bonanno Concepts, and those include Mizuna, Luca, Posterio Marco, Green Russell, Russell Smokehouse, Vesper Lounge, Salt and Grinder, French 75, Denver Milk Market, and Lou's Food Bar. Aside from the amazing experiences I've had at a few of these, Frank came to my attention when he made the news for acquiring employees and customers to be vaccinated for COVID. We'll certainly talk about that and lots more about running such a diverse collection of bars and restaurants. Frank, glad you could make the show. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It, it's been, I've been looking forward to it. I mean, your Bonanno Concepts is such a fixture in Colorado and the Denver area. But I mean, you could probably give a better overview than I have. Why don't you kick it off with uh, sort of your take on Bonanno Concepts? Well, you did a very good job introing me. Osteria, Marco. Ah, thank you. But very common. Um, yeah, no, it's just a chef. I think we both share the same love of Colorado and Denver in particular for me. And uh, it's just an honor to be here. And I am just a chef, just a dumb cook. Ah, well, we'll find out just how much of a chef, how much of a dumb cook as we explored more deeply. But first, I wanted to start with your mission on your website. I mean, creating happy people. That's much broader than a restaurant mission. So talk about that. So the the mission statement of creating happy people, a lot of people have the misconception that that's really about the customers, where for us... As we were growing, I think our whole goal has always been to create happy people that we work with, hmm. not that the customers that come in, of course, we want them to be happy, right? Yeah. But our philosophy, Jacqueline's in mind, my wife, Jacqueline, and Nick, and almost anybody who works with us is, if our team is happy, and they love what they're doing, and they truly get hospitality... Yeah. By virtue, our guests will get that as well. Well, and I saw an interview with Jacqueline when she said... One of the interview questions you, you've asked in the past of potential employees is, who's the most important person in the restaurant? Right. The guest or the, like the server or the guest, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's a quintessential question, and, and there really is no wrong answer to it. But I think from our philosophy, there's too many people that are like, oh, the guest is always right, which is true. I mean, we are in the hospitality business, yeah, and, yeah. but- that is not how you have to treat the people that you work with in that respect, that they're 
quote, do whatever this person wants. I, I don't think that that creates a good environment. Yeah. And especially now we're hearing all these stories, whether it's airlines or in restaurants and bars where, where patrons are not being appropriately behaved. Right. And, and to the extent that we have to allow employees to put up with that crap, it's just right. That's not what we're really meaning when we say the customer's right. No, I, I think that what the goal is, is to create a great work environment. Right. I, I think what it, it will all translate. I, I mean, I, I can't even fathom what a, what a flight attendant goes through yeah. on a plane when someone is unruly. Cause in a restaurant, we would just throw you out and ask you not to, hi, we don't want your money. We just don't want you to never you know, come back. Throwing someone out of the airplane might actually make a point. Well, I'm sure it would make yeah. that, that flight attendant happy, but I, yeah, I, I think that it, it is, it's, we're not, I, I think if you're desperate for things, yeah. you will do things that you wouldn't morally or really want to do. Yeah. And I think if you're going at it from that angle, it's probably not a great angle to go at being into the hospitality business. Yeah. Now, what what caught my attention about us, of course, I know of your restaurants and such, what really caught my attention was the, the news story where you said we're going to require all our employees and all our customers to be vaccinated. So how does that fit the culture you've just been describing? Um, I think what that does is we we asked our employees we put survey monkeys out or whatever you use in your companies. Yeah. We use survey monkey and like eight out of 10 people said they wished everybody was vaccinated because they would feel safer. And I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. Yeah. I mean, ultimately you're trying to create a safe environment coming off of a pandemic where people are already mentally taxed. So you really want to create an environment the next step then obviously is, well, if everybody in the restaurant's vaccinated, why wouldn't people coming yeah. in? So for me and Jacqueline, it's, they're doing it in other states. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe we just didn't have the leadership or in, in, in the next level of government that said we need to do this. And that's their prerogative. They got elected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the along those lines, I mean, workforce issues are challenges everywhere, especially in hospitality. I'm talking to my friend, Bob Kumagai, I'll give him a shout out. He's from DU. And we were talking about this interview you and I are going to have together and wondering how you and Bonanno Concepts are approaching the shortage of workers. And do you think things like your decision to require vaccinated, vaccinated customers, is that helping? Or how are you approaching this really challenging time? Um, it, you know, it's a very hard thing to gauge, right? We, we are a hundred percent staffed. I, I shouldn't even, I'm going to knock on huh. wood. Right. But I think when we announced that vaccination policy, we got 80 applicants the next day Wow, for work. Um, huh. social media wise, no, people hate me for doing this. And these are people that probably have never been in my restaurant, would never have come into my restaurants or our restaurants, but yet they, just are standing on a pulpit telling you why it's such an evil thing that you're requiring vaccination. If I had said I'm requiring chickenpox vaccination, do you think I'd be getting the same response? Huh. Right. Yeah. No. So it, it has been, we're just doing what we feel is right for the people we work with yeah. and, and you know, what comes of it comes of it. If it puts me out of business, at least I'm going down with, what I think is the right thing to do for our society and for Denver. I can't control yeah. anything else. So hundred percent staff, that's, that's, it says more than 
you know, that you're paying the right amount. It says that there's a culture that's, that's drawing employees, right? I mean, uh, are, are along those lines, but, but I guess on the opposite side, maybe, are you looking at any ways to automate any ways to reduce the amount of staff that's required to take care of customers and, and the mission of your restaurants? Um, automation is not something, yes, there is, it, it would be technology more than automation for sure. Using things that quite honestly, pre COVID at Denver milk market, we had QR codes. Yeah. No one knew how to use them, including mm. me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what is coming out of this is the technology that we were trying to implement pre COVID was too outside the box for people my age. I might be a little older than you, but you know, it, it was hard to get people to yeah. embrace technology and, and kids get it for sure. Yeah. But when you're trying to, you don't ever want to be an edgy, like you're not trying to teach people when they come out to dinner, uh-huh. you're, you're trying to give them an experience. So yeah. now, you know, as quick as we could, we went back to paper menus when it was, we felt like it was safe. We're hundred percent vaccinated because once again, I'm old. I, uh-huh. I, I enjoy, I think part of the experience in going to a restaurant is sitting there reading a menu and, yeah. and, and looking at it from that aspect of it. Like, let's try and get back to some semblance of normal. I, yeah. I don't know where we're going to get a, there. But. Yeah. But I'm hoping that some of the technology that actually, it seems like it would add a little bit of efficiency, like things like taking payment at the table. Things that weren't accepted before, but seem to be have, you know, taken hold and they're sticking now. Yeah, no, the, those are things, those are the technological things I'm talking, like, yes, Apple Pay, ever tap your card. Yeah. You can order from, you know, at Milk Market, you can order, really only see the person that drops your food and your bill is paid. So we are embracing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are embracing things with food too that are- Automation related? Not automation, but maybe buying something that's a super high quality product- rather than having us expel the labor to make it, right? And Uh, like a simple thing would be a French fry, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's companies that make French fries for a living. Were ours better when we hand sliced them for one or two of our concepts? Sure. Would we give those up? Maybe if we were short on labor, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're paying someone an awful lot of money to slice that potato when there are machines that we can't afford to buy Mm -hmm. that do it really well. So I, I think that's one of the things that we're looking at is, and embracing, yeah. if you were, it it's not automation. Change, and but, it doesn't change the customer experience and it doesn't change the quality of the food. It simply makes it more efficient to produce at some level. Correct. I mean, yeah. the, the yeah. whole hospitality industry, if, if this is not news to you as a business owner, yeah. but the one thing the pandemic will do very quickly is teach you how to be efficient. Right. I mean, I, I don't care what business you were in the widget business. You you need to figure out your inefficiencies. And when things are great, you tend to have a lot of inefficiencies that you're overlooking because you're making money or you're doing yeah, well yeah, yeah, and yeah. your staff revenues grow. I mean, uh, gross revenue offsets a lot of problems, right? That, that we say volume cures everything yeah. in the restaurant. Yeah. So same well, thing. Yeah. And, and now you've got 10 restaurant concepts open no two are the same or even similar really from my perspective. And what, what does your organizational structure look like? And, you know, as you look at leading 10 completely different, or am I, am I misreading that? They're really not as different as they seem to me. Um, I would say we just reopened French 75, which is a French bistro. So 
once again, back to, we had the manpower to do it. We could open. So I think when we look at our organizational structure, we, we run, um, a thing called traction or EOS, yeah. an operating system. I think mm-hmm. any good business has an operating system. And we have found that that has been a really good system for us. And it's just about accountability and really getting it. Now, when you get into, we have had directors of operations who can't or or have a very hard time understanding that this restaurant, let's call it Luca, even though it's Italian, is the same kind of menu as Osteria Marco, they do not run the same. The pasta recipe is slightly different. One is a little more labor intensive. One is built more for volume. Customer experience is a little bit different because smaller, bigger, you know, that you, yeah, yeah. you do have to gauge what your product is that you're putting out. And we, we have targeted who our guests are. It, it's ironically, it's not very many crossovers from Luca to Osteria hmm. Marco. Hmm. They're not the same customer. It's a different part of yeah. town. One's touristy. What about the leaders of those, those concepts? Are they different kinds of people? They, they're, that's a, not a difficult question to answer. They all have the same goal of hospitality, right? Some manage larger staff. Some have more of a, a wine focus or an ingredient knowledge than the person who is maybe a little bit better off at managing a 75 person staff as opposed to a 25 person Mm -hmm. staff. Right. So you're just looking for people's passion and you're trying to put them in the right seat that they'll be successful at. We're we're very lucky at Osteria Marco. Our general manager there was the general manager at Luca and Ah, moved up. So he, he kind of gets it. But then when his wine sales are not quite what like Luca's wine bottle sales are, he under, he understands that that's because it's a different guest, different, mm-hmm. not, not a totally different, but a, a different, slightly different guest that's maybe not going to drop 250 bucks on a bottle and they want one for 140. And he knows how to direct that, right? Because yeah. he knows what the value of both of those are. So, well, I'm going to ask you another question about the leadership in just a moment. I want to remind listeners, this is ProCo 360, named Best Denver Podcast Three Years Running, and this year named Best Colorado Business Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. My guest today is Frank Bonanno of Bonanno Concepts. Thanks to our sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings via Technologies, and Digital Frontier Printing. Also, thanks to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. And so my next question for you, Frank, has to do with the leadership within each of these cons. I mean, I assume, A, that they'll report to you, and then do they all have a stake in the outcome? Are they part owners? How does all that work? So Tansif, no, they don't all report to me. I am actually only in charge of the culinary aspect of our restaurants. And I actually, we just hired a culinary director. We have a, you called me the CEO or something when you opened I it did. Up. I am not. I'm the chief cook and bottle washer. <laughs> um, we have a CEO or a CFO. We, we have a CEO, Nick Gray. Then we have a CFO, Michael Navarez. We have a head of marketing, which is Olivia Moffitt. We have Scott Henley, who is the director of operations. Um, we have Jess Kinney, who I can't leave out because she's our HR person who heads a team, which was our people team. And they're responsible. One of the main reasons we're 100% staffed is because we saw the need for that. They also oversee um, a mental health 
professional that we have full time on staff, which is something that if you had asked me four years ago, would you ever have a mental health professional that's fully staffed on your team? I, I would have said no. Wow. But, well, talk about that a little bit more. What's the, what made you decide to do that? And then what is this person's role on a daily basis? So um, what made us do that was after the, through all the surveys and talking to the people we had hired, mental health wellness is a real thing for every business, right? Like I'm sure you can go to a Johnson and Johnson or some of the big auto, they all have some form of mental health abilities for their staff. And we need to start looking at our industry that we have to take care of the people that work with us. And if that's by insurance, vaccinating, whatever it is. So we, we're looking for an edge always as a, as a business is what would make us the attractive company to come work for. And you think mental health services in-house is an edge, a competitive edge? I think just with where we are at today, I believe 100% Hmm. that people want to be heard they're not always comfortable going to their boss to complain. I think sexual harassment and those complaints, yeah, they'll go to an HR person. But I, I don't know that people are going to necessarily run and say, I'm just not feeling it today yeah. or have because that's your boss you're trying to tell that to or an HR person who does report back yeah. to somebody. And I think you want to give your employees a place or the people you work with a place to go and, and get the help they need now. You know, whether it's finding somewhere for people to go, because a lot of people don't have the time or the understand the resources that are already around. So if you have somebody on your staff that can just literally traffic control and direct people of Mm -hmm. where they need to go, whether it's substance abuse or mental or family issues. I mean, there's so many people that have lost family members in this past two years. They need something. And I, I just want to make sure that our, our work environment is providing yeah. that for them just because we're stupid restaurant workers, huh. right? We we should be as organized and as strong as so many other businesses in America. Hmm. Now, so what do you do? What do you, how do you spend your time, Frank, uh, uh, as the founder, as the uh, chief, what was your, what did you give yourself? Cook your and bottle washer. Yeah. So what do you do every day? Um, I typically spend my days in the kitchens working with the chefs and the cooks. I mean, you will find me the past two weeks standing at French 75, dropping fries and making niçois salads or making a couple pastas. I mean, that that's what I do. I mean, yeah. predominantly, I am in our kitchens all day. I walk around. I talk to people. Sure. I, I spend time with the front of the house managers I oversee wine lists. I mean, I, I really try and focus on not so much the big global picture, but more the day-to-day operations. And and I feel that in where we're heading, it, it's so easy to lose touch with with the people you're working with that you you are out of touch with them because you're not there seeing what their problems are. And I yeah. feel like that's the best way I can be a leader is by understanding a director of operations that never works through a Friday night, does he or she really <laughs> understand what the issues were that came up and what the best way to fix them is? Yeah, impossible. Really. Same yeah, thing with yeah. the chef. I mean, if I, if there's a dish on the menu at Osteria Marco and we're trying to do 400 covers and this dish keeps slowing up the line, which in turn slows up the food for the serve, someone just came, if I never went there and someone came to me and said, this dish sucks. We got to take it off. Yeah. 
I wouldn't know the pretext or the context of why you want to do yeah. this. Well, all right. I want to switch gears a little bit and uh, to this whole idea of opening new restaurants. And your wife, Jack, Jacqueline, said there's something addictive about opening a new restaurant. What's your take on that? Well, <laughs> everything new and shiny is always good, right? I think the fun part for us and why we've never really repeated a concept is because we like to do things that challenge us. Um, we like really the growing of the staff. A lot of our growth has been because of either we've got this great person in place and they're going to, they're going to need to move on or do something else, or they've been doing this and you want to afford them an opportunity to grow and you want to continue to work with them. So for a lot of our restaurants, it has been that there's this great person and we know we're going to lose them and they would be perfect to do this. So you open a new restaurant in order to, to keep a talented person. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many A players out there, right? I, I mean, when you find the A players, yeah. you, you want them on your team. And, and the, the way to keep them on your team is to create a new concept at times. Sometimes. Yes. I mean, this, this pandemic gave us a chance to reset. Obviously we went from like 475 people to 16 in one day. Um, but then when you reopen, it gave us this opportunity to like interview the people that had been with us. Right. And how many of those do you really want to come back or how many of those do you love and really want to find a spot for? I mean, that goes to the general manager I was talking about from Luca. Like he had moved on right before the pandemic when he put his name in for a manager role. We were like, F yeah, that guy, Osteria. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I bet that was gratifying. Yeah. That's cool. All right. I'm going to shift gears again because you've done a number of appearances on cooking shows with famous chefs. And I know you just did one with uh, Bobby Flay. And are you still not able to tell who won that? No, show? I can't <laughs> talk about that. Too many NDAs. Yeah. But I mean, um, why do you do those? Is it for fun? Is it for personal development? Is it for press? What's that about? Um, if you, if you asked Liz and Olivia or PR people, they would tell you it's, uh, fun. I, I think you do. You, there's a part of me that wants to be relevant. I, I want to know that what I'm doing is relevant. It's sometimes very unsatisfying to sit there and cook the pasta station at Osteria Marco, which I did for several days, banging out 350 pastas in a night. You know, you're just one of the people I, I, so I'm not sure. I think it's growth. It's, it's entertainment. It's a change in monotony mm -hmm. that you do those things for. Yes. Press. You want to keep us relevant in the yeah. public's eye. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to do it. Some are fun. I don't, I don't is know. it fun? Is it, you know, those things have to be kind of stressful too, but it seems like it would just be a blast. I mean, you know what you're doing, you know how to cook. Um, some are stressful. Some are, are fun. Um, I would say, you know, when we filmed our t PBS show, uh, Chef Driven, fun, entertaining, grueling, though. I, I don't think people realize, you know, we we just finished filming um, our, our newest show for a week while we were opening French 75. I mean, oh. you, you don't realize that you start that at 630 in the morning. You finish at six at night filming a half hour show. And then you go to work. And then I was going to open the restaurant. So wow. different, fun yeah. to do it, stressful because you're still 
people are looking to you for not the answers, but they're looking for the guidance and the leadership. And it's not always the best place to be. Beat Bobby Flay was a lot more fun than I thought. Was though. it really? Yeah. Why, why was it more fun? Um, because you beat him. You can't say, I know you can't say. But I, I think it was just because it was really a lot more challenging than some of the other shows I have done huh. because you really didn't know. Yeah. It really was a blind, here you go. You got whatever, 45 minutes. Yeah. And this is what you have to work with. Like I, that, that kind of challenge is always something as a chef you love. That's cool. So it sounds like, you know, every once in a while getting those creative juices, you know, pumped and challenged. I mean, that's gotta be a blast. Yeah. I, I mean, it is the same thing when I even just change one dish at Mizuna yeah. though, like you put it on the anticipation, will people like it? What's the staff's reaction? I mean, I, I get a lot of that. I mean, that's cooking is one of the quickest, most self gratifying junkie yeah. experiences ever, right? You, you, there's not a lot of gray yep. area. You, you have the stress yeah. of the tickets, you make the food, you put it out, either they like it or they don't like it. And you know, right yeah. away, you know, one thing I wrote a blog post, it's funny because I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, refer to a blog post from your site in just a second that has to do with pie. I wrote a blog post that I like to bake pies. And it seems like in a world for me that it's like never ending, like in my regular life, the job is never done. It's just the day ends and then tomorrow happens. The job is never really done. And something about making something creatively, right? And then it's done and you can look at it and feel like it's done. There's a gratification that comes, right? Yeah. And either they like it or they don't like yeah. it. Hopefully they like it, right? Because then you feel good. You're, sure. You're, you're rewarded for your hard work. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm going to refer to that blog post now. In fact, I'm going to refer to two from your website because the blog posts on the Bonanno concepts are under the title Love Frank. And they caught my attention. Your post you wrote was called Fun as Pie. And I'm going to read. It's a little bit of a long excerpt, but I want to read it. And um, it says, every now and then a home baker will tell me they could do, is it Aki or Aki? Aki. Aki. They could do Aki's job. People rave about my pies, they say. I believe it too, but listen, there's a trick to mixing and rolling 104 apple pie crusts in a single morning while guests come to you to your counter and ask you for double lattes and espresso. Coring and cutting 100 pounds of apples, dimpling the top crust and baking pies in four different ovens with eight timers going requires a very specific skill set and attention to detail. So why did you want to talk about Aki? No, I, I think we're not just talking about Aki. I mean, we, I, Jacqueline and I have both worked in a number of restaurants where Either why restaurants, that, that's the quintessential thing, why restaurants fail. That that whole statement is, I make the best pies, mm -hmm. I'm going to open a restaurant. Yeah. Or my Aunt Gladys has the best cobbler, we need to do it. Well, your Aunt Gladys is making it for four people twice a year. <laughs> We're doing it every day. And yeah. is, it a, is it a sustainable model? Is it really that great? I mean- I, I liken a lot of things to pizza. You love what you grew up on. You love that pizza. It, yeah. it, you'll tell everybody it's the best pizza in the world. Mm -hmm. You bring someone to try it who likes pizza and they eat it and they're like, eh, it's okay, yeah. right? Because it's not what they grew up with. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not loved by everybody. Most people enjoy pizza regardless, right? But go out to the suburbs, you ask kids in the suburb, what's their favorite pizza? There's only two responses yeah. or three. Yeah. Right. It's Pizza Hut, Domino's, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know independent. Yeah. Non-chain pizza. 
So that's what they love and that's what they'll yeah. eat and that's what their kids mm-hmm. will eat. But in, in the purpose of this, I mean, using Aki as an example, I mean, it's a very different skill set and a very different capability to be able to do this at a larger volume and still have that wonderful outcome. I, I mean, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. what we all do in the yeah, restaurant business yeah. every day. It's How, easy to yeah. have four guests over to your house and have yeah. a great experience. Can you do it for a hundred every day yeah. and, and make that experience every day something great? Wow. That, that, yeah. I think that's what we were trying to get across and, and how amazing Aki is or how amazing the pasta guy is at Luca, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not easy to recreate something over. It's monotonous too. Yeah. 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 Uh, Gladys. Is, know, it can't be a labor of love when you got to do it a hundred times in two in not enough time. I mean, well, then it's. It, that, that is the passion when, when, when chefs can do that the same dish over and over again and care every time they make it. Oh man. Is that possible? That is this, that's the difference between a great chef and just a cook. Wow. Is can you do it yeah. a- and make everyone, I can still go make macaroni and cheese with lobster at Mizuna and I've made probably 20,000 of them. I put as much care into that 20,001 as I did the first six. And that's what distinguishes a really great chef. People love this dish they know what they're, they, they've had it or they've come back for yeah. it. Wow. Does it taste the same? As Can you make it ago. the same? Yep. Yeah. Can you repeat something? Wow. That's what we do as chefs. Listeners, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. This episode is with Frank Bonanno of Bonanno Concepts. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. By the way, lately I've been listening to two Ryan Holiday books simultaneously. Uh, his newest, which is called Courage is Calling, amazing. And uh, also I'm re-listening to a book called Ego is the Enemy. I highly encourage both of those. I want to refer, um, Frank, to one more blog post, this one by Jacqueline, uh, your wife. And uh, in, in it was in response to a request for a letter of reference. I know, I think you probably know which one. And it says... I can't write a letter of recommendation for you, Liza, because doing so acknowledges that you have moved on and it breaks my heart to put it in writing. And then I'll skip down to finally from the intimacy of watching you falling in love and marry and parent to the professionalism of knowing every event, party, relationship, and team you manage would be perfect. It has been my honor and I adore you. Love, Jacqueline. I mean, that's quite a way not to write a letter of recommendation, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that was, Liza was with us for like eight years and we saw everything. I mean, she went from being like office, how you're going to file these papers to the head of our marketing team Mm -hmm. in that time. And I think that letter refers to exactly what I was talking about, about when you have people that you just need to keep with you because you know they're going to make you better and you're going to make them better. Those are the people you want to come to work and see every day. And, and the more of those you have around you, I don't care what business you're doing, the more successful you will be. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, um, that's sort of the take I got of, from both of them, one written by you, one by Jacqueline, just sort of this, this sense of heart first in the business. And um, do you think, I mean, you've gone from being a chef to being, you know, the leader of a pretty substantial business now with hundreds of employees, 10 concepts. What do you think was like the biggest challenge you had in going from being a chef full-time 
to being in the role that you are now? Definitely managing the people. I mean, there, there's a lot of responsibility. I think that trying to let people fail, because if you don't let people fail, make mistakes and learn from them, you will never get better. And, and that is the hardest thing to teach your, your, your managers, your management yeah. team is you have to let them fail. Would you yes. let them fail if it affected a customer experience? Yes, absolutely. Really? Yep. Give me an example or, or something that would come to mind in that I scenario. do it all the time. Hi, Adam, you want to put this dish on the menu? It's never going to work. No one's going to like it. And I don't think you can execute it very well, but go for it. Because I love to come back and say, I was right, you were wrong. <laughs> but yeah. It, yeah. it there is just so much you can encouragement or knowledge you can impart to somebody that if they don't experience it for themselves, yeah. they're never going to believe you. And so if you're not, I, I believe that's one of our, it was back to when I was saying you need to be there on the Friday night to see the failure, mm -hmm. to understand how to fix it. Yeah, I believe that is the quintessential role of every manager. And so for me, that has been the hardest part is to try and exude that to the people around me, because I do go in and see the restaurants and I try and listen. And yes, I get a different take as the owner than some of the other people, especially front of the house wise, yeah, but yeah. cooking wise, they know I can do it. They've sure. seen me do it. I will jump on the line and bail anyone out. So I've got that credibility that they may just listen to me when yeah. I give a suggestion. What do you think is your core philosophy about sort of, as you look at running your, your business, is there an underlying core philosophy that you lean on or that you think about frequently? I, I think it's just surround yourself with smart, talented people. I mean, that's, yeah, that, that I, I think, and, and letting people make mistakes and learn, like if you want to grow, that's it. I mean, there is no company out there that isn't super successful that hasn't had mistakes or failures yeah. that made them better. So I, I think our philosophy is work with the people and try and make them better because ultimately, yeah, I don't want to go in and have to bail someone out on the line on a Friday night. Sure, I, sure. I, I want to make sure that I'm teaching somebody that can come in and fulfill that role for me so I can go play golf a little more. Well, that would be good. So now yeah. what, as you think about, you know, how you've grown in Colorado and you know, this, the show Proco 360 features world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado. What role do you think being in Colorado has played in Bonanno Concepts? Um, quite honestly, I, I sitting here today could be different next week if you had me on, but I would just say that Colorado, Denver, I, I'm, I have to be a little more specific because I feel like I've spent so much time in Denver. I, I live and breathe Denver. I, I love Denver. I, we opened a restaurant in the suburbs. We were a huge failure, hmm. huge failure. And I think that knowing your market, knowing what it is that, that you do and being able to have everything close. I mean, all of our restaurants are not more than like five miles apart. Yeah. You could hit them all in a day if you needed to. And, and I think that's part of the reason we've stayed so centrally located and we really do love the, the, the Denver customer, the yeah. Colorado customer, but yes. Like, you understand the Denver customer, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm so ingrained in Denver. Well, all right, last last segment here has to do with um, 
sort of your, your family and your culture. And, you know, so many people who are in the restaurant business as deeply as you are sort of weave their family into it to some extent. So, uh, and you've got two sons. I mean, how are you man with 10, with 10 restaurants and you and Jacqueline both work in Bonanno Concepts, how do you prioritize and make that all work? Um, you know, there's, you sacrifice things sometimes for your kids, right? I mean, I, I will honestly say that the first three to four years that my two sons were born, I didn't see him. I worked. I was building a business. I was building two businesses, as a matter of fact, Luca and Mizuna. Um, I have since tried to scale back. I, I, I'm very, I'm probably harder on my sons than I am on people at work. Um, but you know, we, we try and just do things together. I mean, I'm pretty good at spacing out and coming home and spending quality time. I mean, yeah, pre pre COVID we were, we were having dinner like five nights a week together before my son went off to college. So my kids are older now. We brought them yeah. into work too. We, do you want them part of the business? Do they want to be in the business? I don't want them to do anything that's not going to make them happy. Yeah. I, do you I, think they'll be in the business? Um, I, I don't think so. I, hmm. I think that they, to a certain extent, they, they like what it is, but it might be that it might be too overshadowing hmm. for them to come in and try and work to live up to whatever it is Jacqueline yeah. and I have said, I, if they came into it, awesome. I would love yeah. that. Well, e maybe even the financial they... end of it or the business side of it, mm. not well, the cooking. Yeah. Well, even if they don't get into the, I mean, what would you like them? Cause they've watched you, they've grown up their whole lives watching you in the business. What would you like them to take from that as, as sort of an impetus for their own lives? Just work ethic and treating people fairly. I, I think that has been, I believe one of the best things that the restaurants could have done for our family and my kids is understanding of all of it. Like what, what it is, ethnicity, there is no racial, nothing. We're all working together. And I think that that's one of the things I'm the most proud of is that I, I, I believe Jack and I have raised kids that don't have hatred towards anything and really have an understanding and appreciation for everything in life and, and people in particular. That that's what I hope. I just want them to be happy, yeah. right? I, I mean, I'd like them both. The I'd like my second Marco to go to off to college, which yeah. I think he's <laughs> now finally on that track. Yeah. But you know, really, it's just art. They're into art, so that kind of translates for me and Jacqueline as well. So if they go off and have successful art careers, whether it's painting, sculpting, I don't, 3D animation, or promoting a producing a video game. Yeah. I'd be pretty thrilled. I just would like them to be happy. Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. What's last question. What's next for bananas? Do you have something, uh, you have something coming? No, we have, uh, right now currently nothing. Um, does that mean that's going to change in a couple of weeks? I mean, this is, uh, this is an interesting time, right? Because there's a lot of opportunity after everything, I mean, I felt yeah. like after the 2009 financial crisis, we thrived. We we grew during it. So if you, I think if you're a good business, there's a, a good business person, there's a good opportunity with everything that's going on. Or 
you know, let, I want to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing without growing too fast. We grew very fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, milk market, we opened milk market. We doubled, we went from 300 employees to almost 500 in like a couple of days. Like when you almost double your company in a couple of days period, eight months after you've opened French 75, a, a restaurant, you know, we had stuff falling through the cracks. And mm -hmm. I think this, this reset has been really good for yeah. us as a business yeah. to look at. It's all going to go back to efficiencies. Yeah. People management of the people. Well, it sounds like now is sort of a good time to just to kind of catch your breath, reestablish your grounding and uh, what, a, what, and a, then see yeah. what opportunity yeah. comes. Yeah. Right. I mean, if something comes, I'm not turning it down, sure. it just, but it would have to be something pretty, a pretty great opportunity. Yeah. And, and we've had some of those and, you know, our French 75 was that exact thing. We weren't planning on opening it, but when a landlord offers to build you a whole restaurant and give you a percentage rent. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, if, so a couple of those deals pop up. Well, then we'll talk again. Yeah. So, hey, I think that's a good note to end on, Frank. I'm, I'm your host, Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Frank Bonanno of Bonanno Concepts. Frank, this very interesting. Thanks for sharing so much time and, and uh, all about the, the concepts with us. It's great. Well, thank you very much for having me. Listeners, glad you're here on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. That's a huge help. Thanks again to show sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings, Via Technologies, Digital Frontier Printing, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. That's the show, Live, Work, Love Colorado. 